0: be done here in this earth as it is in heaven father we pray that this morning we will hear from you father but i pray we pray lord jesus that we just not be just here of the word of god but that we would do exactly what you call us to do father to to go and tell others, to share the gospel to live a life that represents you in this earth father god that we will be set apart holy
1: You worship tonight. He doesn't destroy you. He doesn't.
2: Carrie, would you pray over the bread?
3: Father, you told us to come together and do this in remembrance of you. Jesus, in remembrance of your broken body. So we hold this just as a symbol of how your body was broken and torn unrecognizable for us on the day of your crucifixion. But just as we hold this, we also know that three days later, you arose from from the grave. You defeated sin and death. And because you did that, you now sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf you built a bridge for us you paid our debt so that now we have the opportunity to spend eternal life in heaven and so today in this moment we come to you with gratitude taking this in remembrance with a grateful heart in your name we pray amen take the bread
2: No more would you pray over the cup?
0: the freedom that we have found in you and you are father so we thank you in Jesus name Amen. take the cup
2: Lord, for the Holy Spirit. For all who have called upon Jesus have received the Holy Spirit. Father, you yourself said you had to go away so that He will come. He is our comforter, our counselor, our teacher. Oh God, breathe afresh and anew upon us, Lord, I pray. God, the newness of this life is not by our mind nor by our power, but it's a life totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Your word declares that if we walk habitually in the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We thank you that, Father, in Christ we have been born again, born again of the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning again. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, the justice of God will not be mocked. And I love what the scripture says here. It doesn't say in some situations or some circumstances. No, it says you will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. That you sow to, what you're giving yourself to, your thoughts, your mind, your will, your body, like it's all going to come back upon you. You're either living right or you're living wrong. <laughs> you're either producing fruit that's going to last or you're producing fruit that's just going to wither and die. The justice of God will not be mauled. And it's a year I'm challenging us, and I'm going to keep reminding us that this is a year that I really want to challenge us to grow. And there's a quote that I saw the other day, and I even posted it, but I wanted to read it to us this morning. And the guy said, are you willing to go to the deepest, darkest place inside of you? Are you willing to put in the time and due diligence it takes to change from the inside out? Are you capable of putting your excuses aside and get to work? Are you going to overcome your fears? As I've been kind of just praying through that and praying for us, I was reminded of John 8 verse 36 where it says, He who the Son has set free is free indeed not by our might nor by our power, but it is a life dependent upon God to face the issues of our lives that have held us back. And one thing that you hear constantly when we're together is you're either living out of wholeness or you're living out of brokenness. And that wholeness can only come through Christ. And Jesus himself says, peace I leave you, peace I give you. And that peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. Like this Christian life, like I said last Sunday, this Christian life is a life to be lived, not a seat to be filled. It's a life that you are able to live because of Christ, because of what he has accomplished. Because remember, he's still not on the cross, he's still not buried in the tomb. No, he is resurrected. Like We believe in a God who has accomplished all that He has set forth to do. Sin and death are defeated. It is no longer to be our master. There's a way in which we can live. There's a way in which we can grow and we can mature and we can let our past stop defining us. We can allow the brokenness to stop defining us. No, we can seek christ and his wholeness last night i was sharing with carrie some of the stuff that i went through when i was working out at universal and so just having that conversation with her reminded me of my journal and if you've been around me long enough i've talked to you about the first journal i ever wrote i was i wasn't i was just barely well no i wasn't even a christian when i started but that god was beginning something I didn't know who I was searching for, or where I was going, but I knew something was happening in my life. So last night I spent a couple of hours just kind of reading through this journal. And it, it just amazes me who God is. Like I tell you, if you ever get your hands on this journal, if you ever have the opportunity to read it, like you would think this person is a crazy person. Like you would think this person isn't settled. And I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't settled. I was a tormented person. I had so much junk on me and in me. I was seeking everything there was in this world, and everything that I was seeking was destroying me. And I was beginning to, I was becoming darker and darker and darker and darker. I mean, I even told you there was a time in my life where I believed that I could step into the room, and in the room I would, I would sense the evil in the room, and I would invite that evil to possess me. Just so I would feel a sense of power, uh, of, of, of growth, of manip- of being able to manipulate people and to control people. And it was the most craziest things. Just the stuff I used to do and the stuff I, and the trances I used to sit. And just the craziness that I used to believe in. And then just giving myself to anything and everyone. Lost, you all. As we all are before Christ. Something happened back in 1997. God began to stir up. It's only by His grace. That's why I love that song. For any of us, I could testify of what He's done in my life. You could testify of what He's doing and has done in your life. But I hated Christ. I hated Jesus. I wanted nothing to do with Him. You know, I hated Christians. You know i i I despised God, and yet I so desperately needed him and you see this progression of this man who whose life just began to to kind of just unravel, and I keep talking about the darkness, and that's what's the most craziest thing is is that I love the darkness, and yet I started talking about the darkness and how it was destroying me, and how I knew I needed light. And you see this progression of, 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 of just brokenness. And even when I finally, in, in, in the journal where there was a time where I mentioned that I'd given my life to Christ, that I accepted him as my savior, and yet I thought I can keep living the way I was living and everything was fine, and everything will be better. You begin to see even the, the acceleration of the warfare that was taking over my heart and my mind. The, the, the I'm being so unstable. I mean, it's, it, it was crazy. And then to see how I write and, and I say that, you know, um, the enemy's lying to me. Um, the enemy's trying to disrupt my life and make me not who I am and you know I'm saying all this stuff but it wasn't the enemy yet though I was calling it the enemy you know it was the Holy Spirit who was bringing conviction in my life saying that's not the way to live that's not the way to act that's not the way this and that's not my way and that's not this way and you see this pull you see this struggle going on in my life and in my mind and in the depths of my being so finally you turn two pages from there and I said, I finally realized it's been God all along. And I've given my life to God. I've given my life to Jesus. I just want to serve Him. And then from there, it picks on through the, for the first year of my walk. The ups, the downs, the left, the right, the the crying out like God, who am I? Because I don't even know how to live. The confusion I was finding in churches and in ministries and just different things and just and, and in you with and there was a time in there where I said this is too much. Like I don't even know what I'm doing. And if, it's, if is this really true? Because I don't I don't I don't know what's going on. And then yet yeah, you flip a couple more pages. <laughs> And it's like it's this prayer that I write that I was just like, God, I don't want to look at man. I just want to keep my eyes on you. I want to fulfill what you have called me to. I just share that this morning in hopes to encourage us. And that's almost 20 some odd years. Well, it's been over 20 years, but almost 23 years, I believe, this year in July. July 7th. (laughs) Is when I got off my knees and said, totally surrender to God and say, okay, God, my life is yours. I've made a mess of it all. I'm just broken. And oh, if we all would just get to this place and we can say, you know what? I don't want the brokenness to define me. I don't want the past and the hurt and the pain and the sin to continue to define me no not when god you are who you are you are god and god alone like he is great you all and that's why we're walking through the bible is that my my prayer is for us that we will get to know our god and in knowing our god that we would live for him because remember, from the beginning to the end, and I'll keep reminding us until I'm blue in the face, that God's plan and purpose is to have a people that he will call his own. And in return, they will call him their God, that they would live for him, that they would abide in him, that they would trust in him, that they will allow him to bring about his purpose and his plan for their life. God can manage your life better than you can. He's the author of your life. He knows the plans that he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And the beauty of it is, is that he knows how ugly and messy you are. <laughs> like he knew the man that I was. He knew the how I cursed him and the filthy things that I did. And how I... I Used to live my life, and yet he loves me. The Bible says that he first loved us, that he loves us. Yet, though we're in complete rebellion towards him, he loves us. And yet, do you realize how the enemy has lied to the majority of us, if not all of us, that he, they, that he whispers in our ear: "God doesn't love you." Don't go to church. Don't go be around Christians because you're not worthy. You're not fit to be among them because God can't love you. Look how bad you are. Look what you, you keep doing wrong and this and that and this and that. And so we pull away. But that's not what God has for us. God calls us. He bids us to come. His grace is sufficient to transform us. And what does the enemy do with grace? He perverts grace. He makes it nothing. The definition of grace to the the church at large is come and remain the same. But that's not grace. Grace bids you to come so that he can transform you. See, the enemy is working overtime, you all. Remember, he's the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. And that's what the law should see in our lives. They should see a transition. They should see a transformation taking place. Not a completed work because you're not done until you're with him. But they should see a level of maturity. You're still not the same. There's something different about you. In last week, the theme was move forward. Just keep moving forward. (laughs) Don't give up. Don't retreat. Don't go back. No, this is a battle. This is everyday life. You have to get up every day. You got to dress for battle. You gotta know whom you belong to. And you gotta know who to resist. And you've got to realize, and as we talked about that last week, and i talked about it a lot, you have your flesh, you have the world, and you have Satan, who not, is working overtime to keep you stuck or to turn you back. But by the Spirit of God, you can get up and move forward. Like when I was reading all those crazy thoughts I was writing, I was like, oh, Jesus Thank you. My, mind, you know, my, my, my mind's not perfect, but it's nowhere where it was then. Like when I read those thoughts and I go, good God, like they should have locked me up. <laughs> they, they should have really heavily sedated me. This man is a nut. And I think of just today, just to have the essence to be able to, be able to function <clears throat> and to trust in God. Oh, he's a great God, you all. Go to Romans chapter 13 real quick, and then we're going to head to our scriptures for today. But I want you to see this. When we're talking about harvesting what we plant, there's a way in which we are to live. There is a standard in which the church holds up, and it's not because man has written the standard. No, it's because God has written the standard. There is a standard. We're God's people. There is a way in which we are to live. And if you're calling yourself a Christian, then yes. If there's active sin in your life, if there's sin in your life, you should want the body of Christ to come alongside you, to encourage you, to edify and to build you up, to remind you that it's not who you are any longer. You need to repent, and you need to give it to God. So many times when I counsel people, and it happened again this week. So many times people are so broken, they're desperate for God. And the common theme and the common statement that is made, I just keep praying for God to take it away. If God would just take it away. If God would just take it away. And every time I look at these individuals and I say, I need to let you know... (laughs) God's not going to take it away. (laughs) And the man sat back in his chair and he just kind of looked at me. I said, you're going to wait forever. God is not going to take it away. And I could see him kind of slumped down as everyone usually does when I say that to them. And I said, no, what God is requiring is for you to lay it down. He's not a God that snatches stuff away from you. He's not a God that's going to force you to transform. He's not going to overtake you and and, and, and smash you and destroy you. No, no, no. He says, Rob, give it to me. Surrender it. See, that's what our lives are. We're just lives that have surrendered to Christ. We're, We're that sacrificial offering. We are the living sacrifice. We lay ourselves down on the altar. As Christ laid himself down on the cross, we lay our lives daily down at the altar. So if you're waiting for God to take something away, he's not taking it away until you freely surrender it. Because there's a level of growth that comes when you freely surrender And say, no longer. As hard as it was for me to turn away from my life, everything I knew, everything that I thought I was and wanted to be. It wasn't until I freely laid it down and said, okay, God. Have your way. And so if we look at Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14. This is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity, or immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord jesus christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires the bible says how does he transform us by changing the way we think you want to walk in newness you want to walk in wholeness then get up and allow your mind to start being renewed you know what is right you know what is wrong and I've always said it's so crazy. It's easy to do what is wrong. And nothing will, nothing will fight you for you just to give in to it. But make a choice today to get up and do what is right and watch all hell turn against you. And even within yourself, you start making excuses. Oh, well, this, this little bit won't hurt or, or that's not going to. Does God really matter? Does God does it really matter? To God? All of a sudden, you start being bombarded with stuff. And if that doesn't give you the reality of spiritual warfare, that everything that this living word of God has said is true. Everything in it. Everything in it. And we have to live from the place of victory. That's why Paul can tell the church, put away those dirty deeds and put on right living. That's why the Bible can tell you to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. So we're not surprised when we get entangled into sin. No, no. There's areas in our lives that are there waiting for us just to fall into it. But no, we get up and we throw it off and we move forward. And the more that you move forward, the more that you take thoughts captive and you bring them into the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the more growth that's going to come from your life and the more you're going to look like him. You're not going to become God, but you will begin to look. Like the one in whom you say you love. That's why Jesus tells his disciples, like consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. Like this isn't a game, this isn't a feel-good message. This isn't just like, okay, like I said, people just show up, they sit and then they go right back out. That's what we've done for many generations. But we are living, you all, in the last days. No one knows the day or the hour, but you can recognize the times. Mm. And you can say, Oh, Lord Jesus, Mm. you're at the door. (laughs) And at any moment, you're going to call those who belong to you home. And we are to live as if we belong to Him. We are to wait until, we are to work until that day, (laughs) promoting Christ. Living for Christ. Understanding who our God is. Being ready to share our faith with others. Being able to live boldly. To remain in community. To remain in fellowship with God and then with man. And that's why we have this verse in Galatians. We're not going to mock the justice of God. Remember, God is right. In all that he does. There's no error found in God. Error is only found in man. Even though people want to raise their fists to God and blame God, that's just the flesh. But there's nothing that we can do to blame God. He's right. He is just. He is holy. So just remember, as you go through your week this week, as you go through this day today, Everything you put your hand to, every thought that you give to yourself to, every word that comes out of your mouth, everything about you that you're giving yourself to, it's going to come back on you. So you're either doing what is right, or you're just giving in to what is wrong. And don't expect anything good to come from this, no matter how hard you're working at it. Because it's all in vain. It's only that of right living. That produces life in you. Because it's his life. And it's his life in abundance. Oh, we've got a good word today. Let's go to Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22, uh, verse 21. And then we're going to read through chapter 23. And I want to encourage you over the next couple weeks, (laughs) as we're learning more and more about our buddy Balaam, (laughs) We're going to see a lot more over the next couple weeks how all of this is going to transpire and work out. But let me say this before we pick up about Balaam and the donkey. Balaam, yet though on the outside, looks godly. Yet though on the outside, oh, he's a man of God. He, what he blesses is blessed. What he curses is, 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 it dies. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't come to fruition. He's, he's a strong, anointing man of God. And yet, no, he's a wolf in sheep clothing. Mm -hmm. Not everyone who calls upon Jesus or talks about Jesus or or preaches the word is of God, you all. (laughs) Not every worship leader that gets up, not every evangelist that you see on television, just because they're talking about Jesus does not mean that they are walking with Jesus. Mm -hmm. You must discern. You must see the fruit of their life. Same with Christians. Rather, the call to to preach or to evangelize or to worship, call yourself a Christian. Discern. Look at the fruit. Because if there's no fruit, (laughs) there's no faith. I don't care how much scripture they can quote. I don't care how many times they're sitting in church. (laughs) The Bible tells us the wheat and the tares are growing together. (laughs) There's wolves among us. And Balaam was a wolf. Remember we left off where the king called him to curse Israel. Remember the Israelites are growing. They're moving forward. They're advancing. They're taking over territory. And now other nations that they are approaching are getting nervous. There's too many of them. And they realize that the God in whom they are serving is advancing them forward. So this king was smart to call Balaam because he wants Balaam to curse these people. And here's something I I hope that we can get encouraged by. They're blessed, not because of them, but because of him. Because remember, they do right, and then all of a sudden they, they, they get disgruntled. Now all of a sudden, I'm, yet they're yelling at God, they're yelling at Moses, you know, and the snakes came, and people were dying left and right again. <laughs> and yet God, we're going to see today, calls these people blessed. There's something beautiful for us to see that about our, your life and then our lives collectively. Our position, our status, all that we have is not by our own. It's, by, it's because of him. We're blessed not because, quote, unquote, oh, we do good, we follow the rules, we, we keep the commandments. No, no, because you remember this Christian life has nothing to do about you. It has all to do with him. If your Christian life is a struggle, it's because you're trying to live it in your strength. Oh, if we can just find the freedom that's in Christ, and we can live out of the the position that he is in and that he has given us a victory. So that's why we don't pray from a place of defeat. No, we pray by faith from a place of victory. We have already won. We have all that we need. So our circumstances, yet though we may look out and see the lack, we can give praise to God for the abundance that is available. Amen. And that's just not the material wealth, because that's usually where the people's minds first go. They, we, we look at having abundance of, 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 of possessions as somehow being blessed. And that's not being blessed at all. Blesses is have the abundance of life. You can walk by faith and not by sight. That you are secure in the fact of you, the knowledge of who your God is and that He is for you and not against you. That you may live in a temporal, darkened world, <laughs> but you were no longer made for that. You were made for the light. And there's a way in which you move. Doesn't mean that God won't materially bless people or give provision to people. But even when you have that provision the reality is that provision is not for you. It's for his service. It's for his kingdom. We can enjoy the fruit of our labor. We don't have to feel bad for enjoying the fruit of our labor. But we don't allow the fruit of our labor to become that which we focus on. No, we look at the one who provided it for us. But Balaam We pick up chapter 22, verse 21. So the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. Remember, God told him after the second group of people came, he could go with them. Ah, but look at the next verse. But God was angry that Balaam was going. (laughs) So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. And you may say, but wait a minute, God, you told him to go. So, God, why are you angry now? Ah, remember, God knows our hearts. He knows the outcome of what's about to take place. And it's interesting, here Balaam was this supernatural, you know, guy who, who had all this insight and understanding and revelation, but he did not see the angel. The donkey did. Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crush Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved far farther down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time when the donkey saw the angel, it laid down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life. The donkey answered, have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times, the angel of the Lord demanded. Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shield away. Otherwise, I would would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going. But the angel of the Lord told Balaam, go with these men, but say only what I tell you to say. And that's not the only time we've heard this requirement given to Balaam. He keeps being told, only say what I tell you to say. Only say what I tell you to say. So Balaam went on with Balak's officials. When King Balak heard that Balaam was on his way, he went out to meet him at a Moabite town on the Aaron River, at the, farther, I mean, at the farthest border of his land. Did I not send you an urgent invitation? Why didn't you come right away? Balak asked Balaam. Did you believe me when I said I would reward you richly? And Balaam replied, look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. Then Balaam accompanied Balak to the cure of Horsai where the king sacrificed cattle and sheep. He sent portions of the meat to Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning, morning Balaam took Balaam up to baal From there, he could see some of the people of Israel spread out below him. He can only say what God will give him to say. So far, he's obeyed. Yeah, he has an understanding. I can only say what God gives me. Then Balaam said to King Balak, Build me seven altars here and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. Balak followed his instructions, and the two of them sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand here, by your burnt offerings, and I will go see if the Lord will respond to me. Then I will tell you whatever he reveals to me. So Balaam went alone to the top of the bare hill, and God met him there. Balaam said to him, I have prepared seven altars and have sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. The Lord gave Balaam a message for King Balak. Then he said, Go back to Balak and give him my message. So Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. This is the message Balaam delivered Balak summoned me to come from Aram. The king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. But how can I curse those? whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? I see them from the clifftops. I watch them from the hills. I see people who live by themselves set apart from other nations. Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as dust? Who can count even a fourth of Israel's people? Let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. Then King Balak demanded of Balaam, What have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them? But Balaam replied, I will speak only the message the Lord puts in my mouth. Again, we see Balaam's obedience. We see God interacting with Balaam. And giving him the words to say, These people are blessed because they're my people. You're not going to put a curse on them. But Balak doesn't give up. And I don't know if you're starting to see or get an understanding here as you're reading this. But this is warfare, you all. This is spiritual warfare. The devil's not going to give up. He's going to try everything. Every single day of your life. Every single day of your life. And there's a spiritual lesson on warfare that you'll learn through this interaction with Balaam and Balak. And what's trying to be done to Israel. So verse 13, then King Balak told him, come with me to another place. As if somehow now a different view is going to change God's mind. So come to me to another place. There you will see another part of the nation of Israel, but not all of them. Curse at least that many. So Balak took Balaam to the plateau of Zaphram of Pishtah Peak. He built seven altars there and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to the king, Stand here by your burnt offerings while I go over there to meet the Lord. And the Lord met Balaam and gave him a message. Then he said, Go back to Balak and give him my message. So, Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. What did the Lord say? Balak asked eagerly. This was the message Balaam delivered. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? has he ever promised and not carried it through listen i received a command to bless god has blessed and i cannot reverse it no misfortune is in his plan for jacob no trouble is in store for israel for god for the lord their god is with them he has proclaimed he has been proclaimed their king god brought them out of egypt for then he is as strong as a wild ox no curse can touch jacob no magic has any power against israel for now it will be said of jacob what wonders god has done for israel these people rise up like a lioness like a majestic lion rousing itself they refuse to rest until they have feasted on prey drinking the blood of the slaughter then Balak said to Balaam, "Fine, but if you won't curse them, at least don't bless them." But Balaam replied to Balak, "Don't! Didn't I tell you I can only do what the Lord tells me?" Then King Balak said to Balaam, "Come, I will take you to one more place." Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them from there. (laughs) So Balak took Balaam to the top of Mount Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam again told Balak, build me seven altars and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. So Balak did as Balaam ordered and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. Wow. This king has it out for the people of God. He wants them cursed. He wants them stopped. He wants them destroyed. But God is continuing to intervene. God is not changing his mind, no matter how many places the king wants to take Balaam. God is not man. I love this description That God himself gave Balaam to give to Balak. I'm not man that I should lie. I'm not going to change my mind. And I don't know if that makes you happy today, but it ought to. You can walk in the confidence of who your God is. God is not going to change his mind about you. God is not going to give up on you. God is for you. He's not against you. And you should live as such. You should live as such. You should get up every single day and move in that truth. Because it's the truth that sets you free. Oh, but I failed. I did wrong. Get up. Stop looking at yourself. (laughs) Oh, but these people keep reminding me of my past. Or this person said this about me. Why are you looking for man at man? No, you're defined by God's truth. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Balaam realizes, I can't curse these people. And because I can't curse them, I can't get my reward. Mm-hmm. See, Balaam's out for himself. And yet God is speaking to him. God is revealing himself to him. God is using him. But he's not for God. hmm is for himself. Be careful of the people in your life who say they're Christians, but they're only out for themselves. Come on now, because they're not of God. You know what Balaam ends up doing? I can't curse them, but I'll tell you how to defeat them. I can't curse them, but I'll tell you how to defeat them. Go tempt them. Tempt them to turn from worshiping their God. Then you'll have them. Isn't that just how the devil works? Mm -hmm. He can't curse you. He can't harm you but he knows if he can get your affections turned from Christ and turn to this to turn to that, which is created instead of your creator, then he's enslaved you. Then he has you careful of you all careful spoiler alert. He couldn't curse them, but he wanted his reward. So, since I can't curse them, I'll tell you how to enslave them. Now you see why God was angry. He knew what was to come. (coughs) Do you see, even from the beginning, as we've been reading, as God has called Israel out, He keeps telling them, I am your God. And sometimes we hear the list and the rules and everything, and we go, oh, that's just a lot. But God knew. He knows us. If you take your eyes off of me, and you begin to worship the created, you're going to turn from me. But I'm your God. I've delivered you. I've helped you. I've provided for you. I've healed you. I've given myself for you. What are you doing over there? You belong here. Careful. Careful. Balaam knew. Oh, I can't curse them. But I'll show you how to defeat them. I'll show you how to to tempt to, to them and to draw their affection away from their God. <coughs> and that's what we'll see as we continue to move forward. Careful of those in your life and things that are in your life that draw you away from your affection towards God. They're there for a reason. They're there for a reason. And that's why you all, you want to have a clean house, your heart. You want to allow the Lord to have full access. That's why David can cry out, search me, O oh God. See if there's any wicked way within me. Test me. Because, God, I want my affections toward you. You know the things and the people that are in your life that you know good and well. Like, no. In fact, as I was reading through my journal, there was a statement that I made. I said, you know, it's so interesting that my friends are turning against me. Why, why wouldn't they want to see me happy? Why wouldn't they want to see me doing better off the drugs, off the alcohol, not to every form of junk that's out there? And I have made a statement to myself. I said, you have to not look to them, but keep looking to God. He knows. He's the author of life and light. And Rob, you may have to walk away from them so that you can really live. It was the hardest thing to do. To lose everyone. Close friends that I had for years. And then just step out. Being alone. And trying to figure out. Who am I now? And who are you? It's not easy. But there are things. And there are people in your life. That you're going to have to step away from because they're in your life for the wrong reason. Again, Balaam knew he couldn't curse God's people, but he knew how to defeat them. Go to Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Luke chapter 1, verse 57 through 80. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They, waited, they wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? Hmm. They exclaimed. There is no one in, your, in all of your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Listen, what God has planned, God brings about, you all. All fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened... Spread throughout the Judean hills, everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, "What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then his father Zachariah ah, oh, this is beautiful was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. And we saw last week has, how Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she began to speak, not of her own words, but of God. And so now we see the father, Zachariah being filled. And now he begins to speak. Praise the Lord for the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as, just as he's promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestors, Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You would tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us, look at this, to a path of peace. And John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. His father begins to prophesy about the coming Messiah, Jesus, you all. Listen to those words. And then he looks upon his little son, and he knew that his son had been called. And he began to speak over his life. And John the Baptist fulfilled his purpose. Oh, let that be said about us, you all. That people can look back over your life and they can say, you know what? They fulfilled their purpose. And you say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Oh, yeah, you do. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. To love others as you love yourself. To walk upright and faithfully with your God. Sharing the good news of the Savior that has come to set the captives free. To bring light to a darkened world. To be able to stand... And stand firm there, no matter what is going on around you. The other day I was walking out of work. And as I was in the parking lot, all of a sudden fear came over me. And it's a common theme, and I told you this a few weeks ago, that the enemy likes to tell me, I'm going to kill you. came over me <laughs> you're going to have a massive heart attack you're going to drop dead right here I was already feeling off that day <laughs> and I was like "Oh." part of me wanted to give in part of me really wanted just to hit my knees and just be like "Oh, like I don't feel well But I said, No. Death, where is your sting? You've already been swallowed up by Jesus. And if I was to take my last breath now, I'm at peace with my God. Amen. And I have the peace of God that I can't endure. all of a sudden, I was like, oh. The elder gets in the car looked at our study, just so you know. <laughs> you know, um, it's kind of feeling shaky, but let's just pray, and I'm just believing that God is it's just it's just what it is. You know, God is good and God is gracious and God is kind. And God is for us and He's not against us. And I was able to endure are you enduring? Like what have you gone through this past week? What lies have you listened to? What have you just given yourself and just said, "Oh, that's normal. It's just what it is. It's just how they are, it's just how I am." Like listen, we have to endure you all. We have to endure. Jesus Has come. Listen to this beautiful prophecy that was spoken. Listen to how God even prepared John the Baptist to make a way. Everything's being fulfilled that was spoken back here and all throughout the Old Testament. This is God, you all. This is God. And we're leading up to his return. That's good news. And that's why the Bible says that we, in agreement with the Holy Spirit, can say, come, Lord Jesus, come. The days are already going to get darker. Jesus himself tells us. But then he says, but be of good cheer. He also tells us all of this has to happen. And while all of this is happening, he says, and the gospel will be preached throughout the earth. And when I've shared that scripture with us before, I mean, that gets me excited. Like all of the stuff that is against Christ, that is against the true church of Christ, everything, the level of persecution rising up, the craziness that is happening in the earth, the gospel will continue to go forth. Because nothing can stop what God has already deemed to be so. And as it is, For that large of a scale, so it is for your life. Like nothing, stepping forward more so to my car, can touch me. Nothing is going to stop the plans that God has for my life. Nothing is going to hinder what God has already purposed. We have to look at ourselves, you all. We have to look at our lives. And it's time we start cleaning up stuff, you all. It's a year of growth. And no matter what pushes back on you, whether it's from the outside or even from what is inside, it's time to grow up. It's time to get up and to look up and to say, come Lord Jesus, come. Go to Psalm, chapter 58. Psalm 58. And let me just say this while I'm turning here. If I was to drop dead today, the devil didn't win you all. If you get the call that he died, the devil didn't win... God's plan has been fulfilled. I am with my maker. And I have served him faithfully. am I will be at peace. It's a confidence that you can have. In your God. Because all of us at one day. We're going to take our last breath. <laughs> and oh I pray for each of us. That we would have the confidence of knowing. That we will transition in. <laughs> To his presence and hear well done my good and faithful servant Psalm 58 I love this psalm and I love I don't know if you have a little description in your Bible or not but it says that this is to be sung to the tune do not destroy I gotta look that up I haven't had a chance to look that up but that's what, that's what it says here <laughs> this is the, a psalm that David wrote and it's to be sung to the tune To the tune, do not destroy. But David writes here, Justice. Do you rulers know the meaning of the word? Do you judge the people fairly? No. You plot injustice in your hearts. You spread violence throughout the land. These wicked people are born sinners. Even from birth, they have lied and have gone their own way. They spit venom like deadly snakes. They are like cobras and refuse to listen, ignoring the tunes of the snake charmers, no matter how skillfully they play. Break off their fangs, O God. Smash the jaws of these lions, O Lord. May they disappear like water into thirsty ground, make their weapons useless in their hands. May they be like snails that dissolve into slime, like a stillborn child who never never sees the sun. God will sweep them away, both young and old, faster than a pot heats over boiling thorns, burning thorns, The godly will rejoice when they see injustice avenged. They will wash their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then at last everyone will say, There truly is a reward for those who live for God. Surely there is a God who judges justly here on earth. Ah, praise God. David sees the corruption that's going on in his day. And we can see the corruption going on in our day. Corruption will continue upon this earth. The injustice, the craziness that is, that's going on. But don't get caught up in it. See it for what it is, as he saw it. And then look up. Because there's going to come a day where God is going to Judge. The earth you may say well it seems like everyone's just getting away with it oh maybe so for now for a season but there's a day of coming remember his wrath is stored up <laughs> God's desire is that none shall perish he, 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 he he's, he's holding it back he's patient <laughs> and thank God he is but there's a day where no He would tell his son to go, gather those that belong to him. And then his wrath, his judgment is coming to the earth. Oh, how we need to be in prayer for the wicked. For the injustice that we see in our days. But God is to remain our God. We are to trust in him. We are to know him. We are to honor him. Because in the end, he will bring justice. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. Two nuggets of wisdom. Again, these previous Proverbs that we've read and the two we're going to read today has to do with talk, the words I can't stress it enough because the Bible can't stress it enough. Your words, they're either of life or death. Life or death, the Bible says, in the power of the tongue. And no man can tame his tongue, but the Holy Spirit can. Your tongue can be tamed. You can learn how to not to react. You can learn to stop cursing. Your situation and everyone else's situation. You can learn to speak life. You can learn to use your tongue to encourage, to edify, and to build up. Not to slander, not to tear down, not to gossip. But truly get to a place where you say, God, here's my tongue. (laughs) Tame it. Because I can't. And then when something is released from your mouth and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right away, like, that wasn't correct. Like, you should deal with it right away. First before God and then before whoever you, whoever you released it to. Like, oh, well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm just, I was frustrated I was ever, but that doesn't give me the right to just spew. Because that's not honoring my God. So I'm Sorry. I mean, there's a way, again, that we have to live, you all. We have to be mindful. We have to guard our mouths. If you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything. But watch your thoughts. I've always told you, I don't know how close you are to God, listen to what's coming out of your mouth. You don't need someone else to tell you how close you are to God. You yourself know. Listen to what's coming out of your mouth, because out of your mouth comes from what's within your heart. And if all you're doing is wielding a sword of destruction, how is that honoring God? It's not. So you want to be quick to... I don't want to take those thoughts captive. I want to bring them into your obedience. Father, teach me. And this goes for any area of your life that that you're struggling in or you need to grow in. Don't pretend that you got it together when you don't. Be real. Be transparent, first with God and then with others. I was sitting with this again, this guy this week. I don't know him. But I was asked to come alongside him to encourage him. And his background is law enforcement. And I know for the first minute or so that we were sitting together. I know he was sizing me up like he was this guy. But as him and I began to speak and talk and I just began to get, be transparent and open... He became transparent and open and just brought everything out since he was a kid. There's nothing to hide, you all. That's why you want to find people that, you're, that you can size up, that you know that you know. Like, I can, I can pour this out. I can share this. I, I can let my weaknesses be known and I know they're going to come alongside me and build me up to encourage me, to edify to see me moving forward not to hold it against me and keep pushing me backwards you've got to find true fellowship true friends in Christ that propels you forward It's so vital your words are vital your life is to be lived in a way that honors God So chapter 11, verse 12 and 13. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling, I'm sorry, a gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Oh, let us be people who others can trust. Who can share? Who can come and, and just be real? And then I'm not picking up the phone and calling Norma, telling you the specifics of what's going on. <laughs> That's not how you do it. And it is foolish to belittle others. And the reason why we belittle others is because it's a way that we protect ourselves. But we're to be over ourselves <laughs> we're to be in christ we belittle because we've been belittled and i'm going to do you before you do me i'm going to do them before <laughs> see our lives are not our own you all we freely have surrendered if you're in christ if you're in christ if you're not in christ you're here today for a reason it's because god is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son jesus The Bible says it's best that you have never known then to know and did nothing with it. Hmm. What are you doing with Jesus, you all? With the knowledge that you have of him. (coughs) Oh, I pray that you know him. I pray that you've come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. That you've accepted his free gift of salvation. That you have a strong belief and you have a bold confession that he rose from the dead and that he is the son of God. See, that defines your Christian life. You should remind yourself of that daily. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. He's resurrected. He's victorious. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We have victory in Christ. And that's what we should be maturing in. God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. Have your way, Lord. Teach me. Yeah, I still need to grow in this area. Get with Christians. Yeah, I need to grow in this area. Hey, how did you grow in this area? See, people need to hear your testimony. People need to hear what God has brought you through. They don't, want to, don't, they don't need to see you pretending you're perfect because you're not. I'm not. But that's, what the, that's why God has given us the community, the church. And far too long, we've taken advantage of the church instead of being the church. And to be a people that understand what it's like to live and what it's like to rejoice in Christ. We weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing. There's so many different seasons of life that each of us will face and we're to be there for each other. So I pray that you're encouraged today. I'm going to play this last song and then I'll close this in prayer.